0: Turn us on, and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Coming up uh, after 10.15, we're going to talk about uh, narcissism, but on the other side, why do people fall for the narcissist? And why do we find uh, narcissists so attractive? I'll share a study about that. Also looking at um, empaths. Are you an empath? Well, if you are, you uh, might not recognize it, but you uh, may be most likely to be attracted to narcissists as well. So we're, we'll really look at the other side as one texter last night uh, asked me to do and say i need to talk more about who's attracted to these narcissists uh, and and if you want more information about narcissism well we can talk about that too but first calling's not the only way to connect the inbox is easy and always open at 514-800 so, I'm going to answer relationship questions tonight. Every Thursday, we focus on relationship issues, and uh, so the questions, no exception either. Uh, so, if you've got questions throughout the evening about your relationship, you want to talk something out, uh, or you want to share your own story about living with a narcissist and the struggles maybe that you've had, uh, please share them with us at 514 800. I'm at a difficult place in our relationship. My wife is recovering from severe mental illness. I have full guardianship and caregiver now, seven to eight years. We are coming up on 29 years of marriage. Sex in our relationship, almost non-existent. I love my wife and committed to her. What do I do with all this pent up sexual frustration? So What happens? I wish there was an easy answer for this, which of course there isn't, because it's difficult when you have a spouse who is ill or who has a chronic illness and who um, can't uh, or has no interest because they're struggling or what have you. What do you do with your own? Desires and your own needs, and and it's not just sexual needs but all kinds of needs as well. So, this is why it's so important to find support outside of the relationship. Like, there are organizations for caregiver support. Um, I know the CLSC offers caregiver support groups, like, it's not necessarily going to help you with the sexuality part of it, but at least the support to know and talk to others. Who have, uh, who have felt this way. Of course, there's always fantasy and self, uh, self-pleasure and, and all of that that you can, uh, you can do. But it's more about the psychological impact as well of, uh, of dealing with a, a chronically ill spouse. So I encourage you very much to, to seek out the support of others who are also in the same uh, position as you are can you tell me if it is possible if we've gotten this one before, by the way, uh, similar to win over my therapist's heart, which I've only known for five months. How can I go about to win her heart? Is it possible between therapist and patient? What does she mean when she says you can ask questions as long as I don't cross the line? So, uh, I've talked about this in the past because it's not uncommon when you see a therapist that you maybe find attractive or what have you. O- also, the fact that you are sharing with this therapist some of your innermost uh, thoughts and feelings, and maybe the, the, the one of the first people you actually open up to uh, to that degree, you feel that intimacy. But it's you have to understand it's a one way relationship it's not a two-way relationship we are uh, trained for this anybody who crosses that line is barred from the profession it is against our ethical our, our code of ethics uh, so you do therapists do not ever have relationships with their uh, with their patients you cannot win over her heart there's nothing that you can do you can talk about some of your feelings and you can work through them with her be, there's a we call it transference and countertransference like that gets worked through in therapy so you um, you understand that this can be a normal process in 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 the therapeutic relationship simply because of that uh, the intimacy that you're sharing with and I mean intimacy your innards right I'm not talking about sexual intimacy here. And when she says, yes, you can ask, uh, uh, questions as long as I don't cross the line, meaning she's not going to answer very personal, uh, questions. So, uh, she'll, it, it will be up to her to set the boundaries for this therapeutic relationship and boundaries are extremely important for it to work. This is an, uh, it would be an unbalanced relationship uh, remember it's you've, the therapist has, is in a position of, I don't want to say a power, it's not power, but is in a different, uh, level because they're not sharing with you their innermost feelings and thoughts. You are only sharing with them. So, uh, and we understand as therapists that our clients are vulnerable. They're in vulnerable, vulnerable positions when they come to us. And it would be absolutely unethical to take advantage of that kind of vulnerability no matter what. So it is an absolute no-go zone, um, relationships between therapists and patients. And in fact, there's even like part of our code of ethics It's like, saying a, th- a, a patient is always a patient in other words even after treatment ends or what have you that those relationships are not possible other jurisdictions uh put a time frame on it like uh, you know two years after the end of therapy then you can have a, a, a different kind of relationship but that extends even to friendships and things like that so um there are you know really strict um strict boundaries uh, let's see. I am a 28-year-old male who hasn't dated in five years. Why can't it go over with the females? I'm down to earth and I'm surrounded by people who love me. I'm always rejected. I'm a gentleman and the ladies just don't like it. Am I doing something wrong? So, well, it's hard for me to know, but you might be doing something wrong. Uh, if this is a pattern, you notice that this is a pattern then it is absolutely worth looking into. Like, do you get the first dates and then they don't want to see you again or they dump you after a few dates? Are you um, maybe coming on too nice? I know it, it's, it's a horrible expression, but, you know, being too nice, meaning a little bit of a, a pushover or coming off as a doormat. Uh, are you coming on too strong? That could be a possibility too. I would recommend that you, uh, see a dating coach. I would send you right to Frank Kermit who has worked with us for many, many years. Uh, you can find him at franktalks.com. He will pick apart your interaction and tell you where you, uh, you go wrong and he'll be able to, uh, to help you with that. He's been very successful with, uh, with men especially. So that's where I would go coming up. We're going to continue a discussion that we started a while back about narcissism. And I talked more about, I had answered a question for somebody about what, what, it, what is a narcissist and how do you know you're with a narcissist? And then got someone else saying, hey, you only talk about that part, but you don't talk about why people are attracted to narcissists. So tonight on our relationship hour, I'm going to talk about just that. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. You ever wonder why you fall for people who you shouldn't fall for, like the narcissist? Well, there's a new study out, and uh, according to this research, well, we know narcissists love themselves, but according to this research, hey, we love them too. Uh, So uh, this was just published in the European Journal of Personality. People find narcissists more attractive than non-narcissists, at least when it comes to dating. What they did was they did a a series of speed dating meetups. So they were able to uh, kind of use the data of 700 different dates, you know, like short dates anyway. And they were asking people to rate all the people they interacted with. So um they also asked whether they wanted to interact with each person either in a short-term relationship like was this just you know purely for sex or a long-term relationship. And the results were quite interesting. They clearly showed that in dating situations people love narcissists. And there were definite correlations between the people that men and women selected for short and long-term relationships and their levels Of narcissism, those with the highest scores on the narcissism scale also tended to be perceived as most desirable by members of the opposite sex. Of course, that's um, maybe a little bit frustrating for uh, many of us, but is it surprising? Uh, there are definitely factors about narcissists that, you know, logically make them thrive in a dating environment. Remember, narcissists care a lot about themselves and they care a lot about what they look like, uh, too much. But in a dating situation, uh, they, uh, take very good care in, in their physical appearance. And this of course plays a big role, at least in, um, in first impressions, right? And we do live in this kind of culture of first impressions. And we, we make sometimes decisions, uh, especially if it's a question of uh, short-term kind of things. Uh, we make decisions to have sex with someone that, uh, that we find, uh, swipeable, like on Tinder, right? Desirable. So, uh, narcissists also, uh, by definition, uh, they are, um, Desperate for self-love. They need you to love them as much as they love themselves. And how does that translate? It means that they have a lot of experience selling themselves. So that's a whole thing related to confidence, right? People who are confident and look good, of course, have a big advantage when it comes to uh, dating, so confidence and physical attractiveness are a couple of factors in this uh, you know larger narcissistic game but they say the big reason it seems like narcissists thrive at dating is because all of the relative symptoms so called of narcissism in other words attention to physical appearance flattery extroversion make it look like they're making an effort to their potential partners. So they get dates because it looks like they're trying. So I find that very, very uh, interesting, at least in, in the beginning, right? The, the, the attraction. Have you ever found yourself attracted to the wrong people and then realize, holy crap, I, this, my partner is a narcissist or has a narcissistic personality disorder so I don't know if you want me to go through a little bit of the the definition of what a narcissist is maybe I, I should just go over it a little bit but uh, basically in a, in a very small nutshell they they have a, a grandiose sense of self-importance. Uh, they need constant praise and admiration. They have uh, they show a sense of entitlement. They tend to exploit others without guilt or shame. They tend to intimidate, demean, bully, or belittle others. Makes them feel uh, feel better. They live in a in a, basically in a fantasy world that supports these delusions. Of uh, grandeur, they're they're just in love with an idealized, grandiose image of themselves. It's an inflated uh, self-image. They're often described as cocky, manipulative, selfish, patronizing, uh, and demanding. They're also very resistant to change because they don't see that they have a, a problem, and so the tendency is always to blame others they're also extremely sensitive and react quite badly to even the slightest criticisms or some perceived attack for they they feel it as a a a personal attack Uh, so those are some of the some of the characteristics that we uh, that we see so why would you be you know when you hear all of that you're like oh my goodness who would be attracted to that right except that Plenty of people are, and good people, people with really good characteristics are attracted. So I want to talk a little bit about this, but some people find themselves in a pattern, right? They are attracted to narcissists more than anyone else, uh, any other kind of person. And so they, they want to know, like, how do I, how do I stop that when I'm looking for a partner? The problem is, is that it's not... Like you can go on a date with somebody. It's what, it's what you do after. It's not about just meeting them because you could be attracted to somebody and then realize, oh no, like you've read the red flags and you walk away. So the problem is who's hanging on to the, uh, to the narcissist. It's not about who's really attracted to them because I think most of us will admit we could be attracted to the, the, the cover, right? The, the, the front thing that is shown to us the confidence and the good looks and and taking care of the self and 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 what i suggested in the in in the study it's more about why stay so let's say you go on a date with someone that you do find attractive and confident and and funny but after um a few dates you notice that um your partner is really sensitive to slights. you recognize that they need to be the center of attention and they need to be admired you could see it already they ignore your feelings they need a lot of reassurance about how great uh, they are like this is disturbing in and of itself you don't you don't need a diagnosis for this. At this point, most people would, disengaged they would say okay you know what no they would recognize these uh red flags but what happens when you don't what happens when you're hanging on so i was reading a really interesting article that says here are some questions for you to think about when, especially when you find yourself in these kinds of relationships, have you ever ended a relationship because the other person was too selfish? Do you have clear boundaries that you enforce about what types of behaviors you will or will not tolerate from a romantic partner? Think about that one. That one's a very important one. If a relationship began wonderfully, but quickly goes downhill, do you stay in it hoping that it will improve You may be somebody who hangs on to a narcissist in that case. Do you put up with being devalued? Do you make excuses for another person's bad behavior? Oh, they didn't really mean it. They just had a hard day or they had too much to drink or or what have you. If the person's behavior turns abusive, do you leave immediately? So you need to think about this because it's about tolerating behaviors, uh, that will keep you and lock you in to this kind of relationship. It doesn't mean like, look, we all have some narcissistic traits. Like let's, it's not such a, it doesn't have to be a bad word, but when we're talking about a narcissistic personality disorder or the extreme of narcissism, uh, that's different. When we're talking about someone who's simply self-confident, but still has uh, a lot of empathy and compassion for others, and, and and doesn't have all the other stuff. That's different. So that's like a, a, a healthy dose of narcissism. So many of us, in when we if we found ourselves in situations like this, would automatically kind of end it right there, right? If we feel uncomfortable or if we feel taken advantage of, we don't. We just move on. We move on. But what happens? The problem for many is that you may be giving the wrong people too many chances and staying with them too long. And this, of course, increases the likelihood that you are keeping narcissistic people that others would weed out before they got seriously hurt. You're hanging on to them in hopes. Coming up, I want to talk about who are the kinds of people that... um, tend to hang on, what, what are their traits, what are their personality characteristics that may lead them to um, either not, not recognize some of these things or tolerate uh, bad behavior or be so hopeful <laughs> that things will change that, um, that they hang on. So if you have your own experiences, I think it would be very helpful for our listeners as well, who may be struggling with this. Uh, It would be great to hear some of your thoughts and whether you got away, whether you recognize it at which point in the relationship you recognize it. And if you recognize this pattern, um, in yourself. From the pleasure and the politics. To the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight on our Relationship Hour, talking about uh, relationships with narcissists. So we've often talked about what is a narcissist, and people have often uh, wrote in saying they believe who they're with is a narcissist, but what about the people who are attracted to narcissists or Find themselves involved in long term relationships with narcissists. This is what we're talking about. A couple of texts tonight. I found myself attracted to a guy, but after three months, I noticed things were one sided. He never wanted to go visit my friends when he stated he did not like them, but it was mandatory for me to visit his. His manners towards wait staff at a restaurant left me very uncomfortable, even outright embarrassed. I gave him an ultimatum to change or we were done. Turns out we were done that minute. He said to me, The only only reason I dated you was I felt sorry for you see narcissists won't change because they don't recognize that there's anything wrong with them they turn it on you they make you feel bad and they blame you so this was an attack on you because you slighted him by telling him he had to change and did not accept that Uh, if you think someone you know is a narcissist how can you ask them if they know they you you can't ask the narcissist are you a narcissist or whatever it is that they're not, you know, they might say proudly that they are not that they see that as a problem. That's the problem. So it's up to the, it's up to the others involved with someone who has a narcissistic personality disorder to recognize the signs and stay away because they are usually very toxic relationships. So, People, often people who end up with narcissists are either codependents or empaths, empaths, uh, are often, and, and narcissists are often drawn to each other. Why? And the empath, which is a, a good thing, like there's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful quality because they, empaths have a lot of compassion and they have a lot of understanding. Um, and the, the problem is that the narcissist is attracted to them because they thrive on the feeling that someone is worshiping them. The problem is that empaths tend to forgive a lot and they tend to forgive things the, nar- the narcissist does over and over and over again. And the result is they, st- they end up feeling completely used and degraded uh, and, of course, this is, uh, ends up being qu- quite toxic and unhealthy. So, um, for example, these are opposites, right? You're talking about two opposite poles here. We know opposites attract, of course, but they often don't make good matches, okay, uh, especially in this case. So narcissists are attracted to people they are going to get the greatest use from. So they will pursue and target, um, empaths because they know this, right? Because they are the, the opposite. Uh, narcissistic personalities don't have empathy. They thrive on admiration and empaths are super sensitive and in tune with other people's emotions. They, um, they absorb other people's emotions. So of course it makes them very attractive uh, to narcissists. So there's um, uh, Judith Orloff is an author of a book, which is really good. And I I recommend it called the empaths survival guide. And she talks about how this is a, a toxic attraction that is destined for disaster. She says what narcissists see in empaths is a giving Loving person who is going to try and be devoted to you and love you and listen to you. Everything we all want, right? Except a narcissist uh, takes advantage of that. Unfortunately, empaths are attracted to narcissists because at first this is about a false self. Narcissists present a false self. Self at the beginning, this is what you see. They can seem very charming and intelligent and even giving until you don't do things their way. And then they get cold, withholding, and punishing. Exactly like that texture wrote in. The minute it didn't go, the minute she set a boundary and said, You don't change, we're done, he became punishing by demeaning her and saying the only reason I dated you was I felt sorry for you like that's just a mean attack right and that's the way they um they get back so when when narcissists are looking for um a partner and they they want to hook them in of course they will be loving and attentive at first but that mask does slip and you have to pay attention so at the beginning, you only end up seeing the good qualities, right? Um, but narcissists are, are, unfortunately, have a lot of uh, contempt and they see most people as below them. Remember, they, they have a superiority complex. They think they are better than most people. So once they start to notice their partner's flaws, they start to blame them for uh, basically uh, not, being, uh, not being perfect, right? So empaths the empath's instinct is to fix and heal with compassion they feel that they can they can heal with their love and with their um if they're with their compassion and then they end up blaming themselves thinking oh if i only listened more if i only said it a different way if i only gave more but that's that never works so And, and to believe that somebody else, like an, if you know, empaths, they have the best hearts and it's hard for them to understand that other people don't have that heart, that there are people in this world that don't have empathy. And you just, when you just can't heal people with your love when they have none of that. So unfortunately it causes a lot of chaos and drama um, In relationships, um, and it causes a, a, a toxic situation, and they keep reeling them in. Like nar- uh, uh, narcissists use tactics to reel their partners in, uh, often saying things like, "You're right, I, I you deserve better. I could be, uh, I could, you know, I'm not, I'm not a good person," and then gets the empath to feel badly for them, to feel sorry for them. And then to feel like, okay, okay, I think they, they will change, they will change. You know, I just have to be more loving and more compassionate. But then the same thing happens over and over again. These are just hooks to keep them uh, to keep them in. Uh, coming up, I wanna share with you quickly, there's a, a, a listener sent me, an article about the lies that narcissists will uh, spew in order to basically keep you in or make you feel bad or uh, or what have you and i'll get to some of your texts as well passion with dr lori batito on cjad 800 we're talking tonight about um, the people who are attracted to uh, narcissists, and now I'm looking for the. Somebody sent me an email uh, during the show about the the lies, the lies that people tell, but now I have to find it. So you'll have to you'll just have to wait for it, or maybe I'll share it tomorrow. All right, um, we talked about empaths. Uh, this texter writes an amazing show it all makes perfect sense I am an empath and always end up with narcissists and I think I can change them yeah that's the problem you cannot change them Uh, is one of the symptoms of a narcissist that they don't shut up and you can't find the off button well it it might be that um, it's a it's an example of them not listening to you or only talking about themselves and you have to listen to the words, right? What, what are they saying? Are they just talking about themselves, make themselves look good? And they don't seem to care at all whether you're paying attention, whether uh, there's no interest in you, but it could be a sign of other things too, of, of social awkwardness and, and other kinds of things. So if it fits with all the other um, characteristics, then uh, then there's a good chance. So a friend and colleague... Has done a lot of uh, worked in worked in working this. Oh, I never heard about. Am I correct in hearing empath? Empath is E M P A T H. So empathic comes from the word empathy. Empathic and empath. So E M P A T. H, I says, I do believe that person is me. Went with one of those. Yeah, you, I'm sure that if you're listening and you are one of those empaths and you can look that up and maybe we'll do another show where we just talk about empaths, but you will see that um, you probably find yourselves in these kinds of relationships where people are taking advantage another word is codependency which um, we hear a lot as well ross rosenberg wrote a, a really great book called the human magnet syndrome why we love the people who hurt us and i've interviewed him several times on this but i just picked up a, a short article that he wrote which i loved it's called the dance between codependence and uh, uh narcissist he calls it the dysfunctional codependency. Dance which requires two opposite but but distinctly balanced partners the pleaser and the fixer, which is the codependent, also could be uh, called the empath, and the taker or the controller, which is the narcissist. Um, so, codependents who are generally giving, sacrificing, mm-hmm. and consumed with the needs and desires of others are. Uh, do not know how to emotionally disconnect or avoid romantic relationships with individuals who are narcissistic. In other words, individuals who are selfish, self-centered, controlling, and harmful to them. Codependents habitually find themselves on a dance floor, so to speak, attracted to partners who are a perfect countermatch to their uniquely passive, submissive, and acquiescent dance style. As natural followers in their relationship dance, codependents are passive and accommodating dance partners. So how can they stop being such natural followers? Unfortunately, codependents find narcissistic dance partners deeply appealing. They are perpetually attracted to their charm, boldness, confidence, and domineering personality. When they pair up, the dancing experience sizzles with excitement, especially at least in... In, um in the beginning. Unfortunately, it transforms into drama, conflict, feelings of neglect, and being trapped. If you've ever talked to somebody in that kind of relationship, this is exactly how they uh, they describe it and sometimes for decades of this. Uh, unfortunately, even though there's chaos and conflict, neither of the of these two dancers dares to end their, partnership neither of them uh, even though they are uh, dysfunctionally compatible feel compelled to sit the dance out i just love how he talks about the dance here when a codependent and narcissist come together in their relationship their dance unfolds flawlessly The narcissistic partner maintains the lead and the codependent follows. Their roles seem natural to them because they have actually been practicing them their whole lives. The codependent reflexively gives up their power. Since the narcissist thrives on control and power, the dance is perfectly coordinated. No one gets their toes stepped on. Typically, codependents give of themselves much more than their partners give back to them. As generous but bitter dance partners, they seem to be stuck on the dance floor, always waiting for the next song, at which time they naively hope that their narcissistic partner will finally, finally understand their needs. Codependents confuse caretaking and sacrifice with loyalty and love. Although they are proud of their unwavering dedication to the person they love, they end up feeling unappreciated and used. Codependents yearn to be loved, but because of their choice of dance partner, find their dreams unrealized. With the heartbreak of unfulfilled dreams, codependents silently and bitterly swallow their unhappiness and they are stuck in a pattern of giving and sacrificing without the possibility of ever receiving the same from their partner. They pretend to enjoy the dance but really harbor feelings of anger, bitterness, and sadness for not taking an active role in their dance experience. They are convinced they will never find a dance partner who will love them for who they are, as opposed to what they can do for them. Their low self-esteem and pessimism manifests itself into a form of learned helplessness that ultimately keeps them on the dance floor with their narcissistic um, partner. So as you can see... Uh, it, it can it it can get uh, a very complex in the relationship and very toxic and feeling very uh, abusive. Unfortunately, people get stuck in these kinds of uh, in these kinds of patterns and in these kinds of relationships. Um, you know, one woman was telling me even though she recognized that her partner was this way and she, she was pretty miserable in the relationship her partner kept reeling her in with promises to change and bursts of of crying and saying you're right you're right i'm a horrible person but then would continue the same pattern of behavior and she could not she did not feel that she could leave the relationship because she had young children and she was afraid to leave the kids, um, in the hands of, uh, of her partner because she was afraid of that, of that behavior, not that he was be a danger to the kids, but that the, the toxicity of it all, um, and she was the buffer always, right? So she was afraid of not being able to be the buffer for her, for her kids. So she waited until her kids were, uh, independent and all grown up and, and at that point left the relationship, but recognized it, um, you know, although it took a couple of decades before that came to be, so if you find yourself in this situation, getting help and talking to somebody and talking to a therapist would um, would be really, really uh, helpful. A therapist can help you learn how to set proper boundaries, which is r- absolutely uh, necessary uh, for your own uh, preservation. Thank you so much for uh, staying tuned with me and, and for your, your time, of course. Uh, thank you to Chris, our technical producer tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Batito or through my uh, website, DrLaurie.com, where you can also pick up all the podcasts of all the past shows and listen to them at your leisure. Just go to the, um, the tab that says Passion Radio and then you'll get all the old shows right there. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.